Hello, world. Hello, my friends. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Mr. Speaker Speaks. You know, it's the podcast that informs, challenges, as well as it inspires. It's real talk from real people about real things. And most of all, here on Mr. Speaker Speaks, the guests actually get to speak want to welcome everybody my guest today will be jesse cruz and he's going to share some powerful stuff he does quite a bit and he's written several books and he's a great coach and so we're going to find out a little bit more about who he is and what he does want to let everybody know today that today's episode of mr speaker speaks is brought to you by personality pitching every entrepreneur and startup needs a great pitch but unfortunately most entrepreneurs they're shy introverted and hate pitching if that's you i want to introduce you to personality pitching a coaching and um, consult a consulting firm that is dedicated to helping you create a clear concise deal closing pitch that's right a coaching and consulting firm dedicated to helping you create a clear concise deal closing pitch they can be found on the internet at personalitypitching.com that's personalitypitching.com or you can give them a call at 833-233-1800 that's 833-233-1800 And by the way, when you go there, if you mention Mr. Speaker, that's right. If you mention Mr. Speaker, you get a 30 minute free consultation and a 10 percent discount off of their services. Michael Clark of Personality Pitching can help you and your team create a winning pitch. Personality Pitching, like always here on Mr. Speaker Speaks, we go to the Lord in prayer Heavenly Father, I truly thank you once again for another opportunity, another opportunity to utilize the gift that you have given me to share other people's stories with the world. Today, I ask for your divine presence to be a part of this dialogue, a part of this conversation that whomever listens, no matter what time of day, no matter where in the world, that they will hear a voice from you. They will hear something to help change their lives for the better. And now, Father, I ask that your hand be upon my guest today, Jesse Cruz. Continue to lead him and guide him in all of his endeavors and help him to continue to share his story to the world and to be a blessing to others. In Jesus name. Amen. Our inspirational passage of scripture today comes from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six. And it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Whole thing about faith. You have to have faith in whatever it is that you do to move to where you want to be. My phenomenal guest today is Jesse Cruz. He is a professional speaker, storytelling and personal development coach, a best-selling author, veteran and a youth advocate. He is the founder and CEO of Chainbreaker LLC. He inspires others to overcome their challenges and achieve their goals. He speaks and coaches at events all over the world. His passion is to empower men to heal from loss and motivate people to achieve their true potential through his coaching programs. Jesse empowers his clients to overcome adversity and develop success in their personal and professional lives. He is the author 
of Live Your Dash, a book written to guide people to freedom by discovering their purpose. His latest book, Losing Faith, Finding Hope, is a guide to inspire hope and overcome loss through healing. His passion and ability to connect with his audience is unmatched and have made him a highly sought after speaker for top organizations, including the Ronald McDonald House. He was honored with the number one dad award from his daughters. He and his wife believe in spreading hope by helping other people every day. He's a man of faith and a pleasure to work with. And I want to welcome to the stage to Mr. Speaker Speaks, the one, the only Jesse Cruz. Thank you so much, Vincent, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you, man. I mean, just reading that, looking over things and, you know, I just love the fact that you are a veteran. I want to say thank you for your service. Where were you stationed? Most of the time I was stationed in Fort Hood, Texas. Fort Hood, Texas. What was your specialty? So I worked on generators. I was a generator repair. Generator repair. Yeah, I was in the Army myself. That's why, you know, I brought that up. What is the one thing, the one thing that you learned from being in the Army that has helped to propel you to where you are today? I'd say one of the top things is that don't do things just for money. I learned that in the military. Hmm. How did you learn that? Because they don't pay a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and the reason why I say that is because I remember at a, when I was in Iraq for a year, you know, I was it was the most money I'd had ever had in my life. Um, I didn't have any bills. So I was able to stack a lot of money in one year. And during that time, I remember I was in a basically inner turmoil and constant crisis back home. I was married at the time. I ended up getting a divorce and we, I just had a child. And so, you know, I had all this money at the time, but my family had completely fallen apart in the process. And I just remember one day I went to an ATM. I looked at it. I saw the zeros on the receipt and I was like, wow, you know, this is the most money I've ever had. And this is the most broke I've ever been. And I remember that moment. I was like, you know what? Never again will I do it just for the money. It's got to be something I truly love and truly believe in and it's got to be of such high value to me and I was doing some things just for the sake of having more money and that just led to me being more poor than ever before. Wow I love the way you said you had all the money but you were broke and broke in what aspect your family life but what about your mental state your your physical well-being was that broken in that process? Well, I'd say mentally, emotionally, I was completely broken. My relationships are suffering and being destroyed. And that's basically because I was not happy with who I was as a person. And if you're not able to love yourself properly, you're not going to be able to love others properly as well either. And so I just felt completely bankrupt of love. I just couldn't give anything because I had nothing to give because I was just completely empty inside. So how did you go about finding your purpose. Yeah, I'd say at that time I had to, I decided to get out of the military because I just had a daughter at the time and I wanted to be involved in her life. And being in the military, trying to be an involved parent is a very difficult thing to do. And I decided, you know what, I'll leave this whole life behind just so I can be a dad to her. And so that helped me get to the next phase of my life of part of being a person of of love is that, you know, sometimes that requires sacrifice. And I just learned that I had to do for others. And I meant getting out and being there for her. So you got out of the military to be there for her. So what is your purpose in life? What is it that you feel God has placed you on this earth 
to do? Absolutely. So first and foremost, God, and I believe this is true for everybody, and then I'll get to more specifics. The purpose of why we're here is to point people towards him. You know what I mean? So love is the overarching theme of my life. So that's the most important thing. Now, how I manifest that love is through speaking. And because I believe that everybody has a unique message to share with the world, everyone has a powerful story. And it's my objective to share my own personal story of healing because there's so many people in this world who've gone through some challenging circumstances and they need to see somebody else who has gone through something and came out successful on the other side. And as a storytelling coach, it is my objective to teach people how to share their story to discover what I what I refer to as their comeback or freedom story to figure out the challenges that they've gone through in life that were supposed to defeat them and destroy them. Now it's being used to rebuild and redirect them. And it's all in the, in the glory of God. So I truly believe that everyone has a very unique story and it's just having the confidence and the courage and the right coach in your life to pull that story out of you so you can make a difference in the world with your story because your story is your power. Your story is your power. I've also heard that you often need to share the mess in your message because it helps other people gives up give us a synopsis of yours because we know you're in the military you realize that hey doing it for the money is not it but share a synopsis of your story absolutely back in 2016 my wife came up to me with tears in her eyes and i immediately was scared I said, what's going on? She said, you're going to be a daddy again. I said, oh my gosh, I was so excited. But I didn't know what that journey was going to lead us to because that led to a lot of frequent hospital visits that were unplanned. And one of those times at that hospital, we were told that our daughter was going um, going to be born any moment. And when the doctor said that, I immediately panicked because at the time, our daughter was only four months along. So she was. it was only January and she wasn't supposed to be due until May. And I knew by being born that premature, her chances of survival almost didn't exist. And so they rushed us from one hospital to the next. Pull us in. They said, Mr. Cruz, you have a life or death decision to make with your child. I said, okay, what's that? They said, well, if your child is born naturally, she has a 15% chance to live. I said, okay, what's the other option? They said, well, if she's born with emergency C-section at best, she has a 20% chance being born alive. Now, when my wife and I heard those numbers, we were terrified. Not the numbers that we were looking for, but we looked at each other, tears in our eyes, and said, we're going to go with that 20%. We're going to put that 5%. Our hope is ha- hanging in the balance of that 5 extra percent this doctor gave us. And as soon as we said that, they wheeled her out of the room. I sat in that room crying, breaking down, not sure if I would ever get to meet my child. And as I sat in that room and I cried and I prayed, I lifted my head up a few moments later, and a nurse was standing in the room looking at me. And I knew knew what was going to come next was one of two things. One, that your daughter is dead, your daughter is alive. And as I st- as I sat in that chair, I waited, wanting to know what she was going to say next. She said, Mr. Cruz, your child made it. I got up out the chair, I ran in tears, and they introduced me to my daughter, and I was celebrating. I was so happy. But the challenging part was is that she was still not doing well. And they reminded me of that. And they said she's going to have some good days and have some bad days. And they were right, because a few days later, everything was going perfectly fine. And then I watched her flatline right in front of me and then they saved her and then she flatlined again and they saved her and this became a daily ritual in the hospital watching my daughter die and come back to life is something that became normal to me and as a parent it was one of the most devastating things to go through until one day she flatlined for the final time and we walked out of the hospital room crushed and empty-handed carrying nothing but our grief and years later I finally got to the place where I felt comfortable enough to share to write a story 
about it because I don't want other people to suffer in their pain alone like I did for a season, feeling like I'm never going to make it through this. This is too dark, too ma- too painful, too much. So that's why it's my life mission now to share the story uh, that I've been burdened and blessed with because now my daughter's story is being heard all over the United States and the world. This little one pound girl that nobody's ever met before is making an impact, making a difference. So I just tell people, imagine what you can do. This one pound girl can make this much of a difference. Imagine what you can do. And that's why I encourage people, share your story. You never know whose life you can touch. And that's why I continuously say that your story is your power. So that's the basis of your book, Losing Faith and Finding Hope. Absolutely. So how did you find hope in the midst of of that difficult situation. You know, I spent a lot of time in prayer, you know, and I spent a lot of time questioning God and and asking, you know, why did this happen? You know, and sometimes you never get the answer to those questions. And I remember thinking to myself, I thought we did everything we were supposed to do. You know, I felt like I was a good husband, we're good parents. We have a great, a great family. You know, why did this happen to us? And, you know, I think what people fail to realize is that following, being a Christ follower is going to require pain. You know, in this world, you will have troubles of many kinds. And so people think because they follow the Lord that they're somehow excused from this pain. But if Jesus himself wasn't excused from the pain, it's foolish to think that we will be either. And so the way I was able to find hope to keep going was that I knew that I had other people in my life who still needed me. I still needed to be a husband. I still had other children who needed their dad. And so the hope that kept me going was love, the love of my family that God has provided me with, you know, and then obviously I got professional help, counseling and therapy and support groups, my church family. I had so many supportive people who encouraged me to keep going because let me tell you what, I didn't want to keep going. I wanted to give up and it's because of the love of the Lord and his people. That's what got me through. What would you say to that person who does not know the Lord and may be going through a challenging situation right now and they seem like they have no hope? And if they don't know the Lord, what can they do? It's a great question. Well, first things I would say is you're still loved. Whether, whether that person realizes it or not, whether they believe in, in God or they don't, um, they are supremely loved. And this pain, this crisis, this trauma that you're going through does not disqualify you from being still supremely and ultimately loved. So it's knowing that you're ultimately loved, even if you don't know the Lord, you're still loved greatly. And once you realize that you are loved, you can also recognize you have a purpose for that love because love reveals your purpose and heartbreak also reveals your purpose. And so I would encourage that person to think about about those that they love and those that love them and find a way to still keep pushing forward and bring honor to them despite the pain that you're going through know that your pain is going to be a roadmap to someone else who may be drowning what feedback have you received from your book on finding hope after you've lost faith i've got a feedback that I think gives permission for people to be human um because there's nothing I really withhold from the story. I tell all the details, the ones that people don't want to talk about, parts that are very uncomfortable for me to share, and I share them vulnerably. And the feedback that I get a lot of times from people is that it has given them permission to be honest with what they've gone through. And I think until you're honest with your pain, and I mean all of your pain, not just some of your pain, I mean all of it. Until you're completely honest with all of it, it's going to be very difficult to heal. So this book was set up in a way for when people read it, it encourages them to be honest with what they've gone through and find someone somewhere to share what you've gone through to start that healing process. Based on your experience, what do you think is a reason that most people people don't want to share their pain. 
They don't want to share their story because a lot of people want to share success, but they don't want to share their pain and how they got there. What keeps most people from doing that? Well, I'd say depending on the person you ask, they give you a different reason. But I would say one of the reasons is people don't believe that they'll be fully accepted. And so when a person doesn't feel fully accepted, they can't fully share. They can't believe fully be themselves. So they think that if they share the terrible things that they've done or the terrible things that that has happened in their life, they will somehow be judged for that. Mm -hmm. And rather than be judged and be fully known on who you really are, it's much safer to avoid confronting the painful events of your life. Sadly, people don't truly believe they'll be accepted for who they are. And I truly agree with that because as you stated, when you share your story and you share your pain and you share the details and the insights, you become vulnerable and people can form their own opinions about you whether good or bad to put yourself out there is like being in the military if you're the point man on a on an exercise you're the target and you're exposed and i think when you share the details of your life the intimate portions of your life you are exposed and most people don't want to be exposed but there is power in being exposed because you can help others heal You're listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks, and my guest today is Jesse Cruz, and we're talking about his story, painstaking story that he wrote about in his book, Losing Faith and Finding Hope. How did writing this book help you to become a better storyteller and say, hey, I'm going to move into becoming a developmental and storytelling coach? Well, I think it helped me as far as being a writer and a storyteller because it forced me to confront one of my biggest fears. And I think a person has to get to that place. And I think once you get into, you have to put yourself in a place where you are most uncomfortable and most vulnerable. And once you're able to do that, you have much more confidence to face many different things in this world. So me having to put myself back into the place I told myself I would not, it gave me the confidence to share freely about many other things in my life. And I learned about the importance of sharing that conflict in a story because a story with no conflict is not a story worth telling. So every story should have some sort of conflict or challenge that needs to um, be, um, there needs to be a conflict that has to be overcome. And so in this story, I share several different conflicts, several different challenges that were drastic that I had to face. And then I took that and I had a good writing coach who coached me along the way in my writing process. I learned so much from him on how to craft this story in a way that was compelling. And now it's taking that content. Now I'm bringing it onto a stage, you know, and on that stage, it's the same thing. I got to have a way to connect with my audience, which means I need to be real. I need to be vulnerable and honest. I need to have a good pace in my story. And I also need to not hold back. I think a lot of times people hold back their story. So it's just really embracing all the parts of that difficult story. People really identify with vulnerability. This is truly your story. However, there are other players involved. How did your wife feel about you sharing this with the world? Well, you know what? Originally, she didn't like it at all. In fact, she hated it. You know what? Beautiful thing about it is she never told me not to do it because although that's not her style and how she grieves and how she heals, she knew that's exactly what I needed for me to grieve and for me to heal. So it wasn't her favorite idea when I told her that. However, she saw how it was helping me and so she was supportive. Excellent. Nothing like having support because it is truly beneficial to have someone to help you and to have someone to be able to lean on 
in times of trouble, in times of distress, in times of turmoil. Chain Breaker LLC. What is that all about, Jesse? So it's not the name I wanted. I never wanted that name. And the reason I say that is because I was trying all these other names that I was trying to register that I liked better. And none of them would work. They were all taken. I tried so many variations. And then I remember sitting in service one Sunday morning and I felt it in my spirit, chain breaker. I was like, chain breaker? I was like, huh? I was like, okay, God, you win. I'm going to go check and see if it's available on the computer when I go to register my LLC. Of course, when I registered it, it was, it didn't exist. So it was the only one. And so what I learned is that, you know, chain breaker is basically, we all have a, a pain point in our stories, whether we share them or not, our childhood, a familyhood experience, something that we felt chain us to the past. You felt trapped by that painful circumstance. And chain breaker is what you do to free yourself from that pain of the chain. And so chain breakers are people who decide to not let their painful past destroy their possible and powerful futures. That's why it's called chain breaker is because part of breaking those chains is sharing your story. Sharing your story to break those chains. Reminds me of uh, Paul and Silas and at midnight they prayed <laughs> and immediately their bonds uh, were loosed. <laughs> they were pr- and they fell off. Yeah, they fell, fell right. Off. They fell off. When you look back over your childhood, what was that like? growing up what was that environment like for you well i think growing up as a child i i had saw some good examples of what it was to follow the lord and then i saw some that were not so good and i remember being confused a lot of the time as to why some of these people who say they love god live in a way that does not look appealing to me and so i just remember being as a kid just confused at as what it meant to follow the lord because I just saw so many different examples and it didn't make sense to me. So I just remember being confused growing up about what it meant to give your life up Christ. What about you have brothers, sisters? Two brothers and a sister. Are you the are you the oldest? I'm the youngest. Oh, you're the baby, so you got away with murder. <laughs> Pretty much. Second degree, everything. Everything. <laughs> So what do your siblings have to say about your book and about you sharing your story? I'd say it still surprises them because not only am I the younger sibling, I'm a much younger sibling. So there's there's quite an age difference between me and them. And I think it still leaves them in a little bit of shock sometimes that their baby brother is out here writing books and speaking on stages and sharing this message of hope. Um, I do know that they're truly proud of me, uh, that they believe in me, and I'm so thankful that you know I do have their support. As a storytelling and personal development coach, how can you help my listening audience? One of the most important things a person can do is be honest with themselves about the difficult parts of your life. Take the lessons from those difficult moments. Don't be caught up in how it ruined your life, damaged your life, or stole your future. Think about how you can build upon it because what I've learned a lot of times that a person's purpose comes out from your pain. And so I would challenge the listeners to think of one or two painful moments, even though it doesn't sound fun, one or two painful moments of your life and really reflect upon what those moments were meant to reveal to you and how you can use those pain points to not only provide healing to yourself, but to your own family and people you communicate with. One of the things that I've learned about pain is it is a communicator. And if you listen to it, you can really, really learn. Your second book, Live Your Dash, Discovering Eight F's to Freedom. You know, you go to the cemetery, you see your birth date, see 
the end of life numbers and that little dash in between. And that dash is what makes all the difference. What are those eight F's to freedom all about? So I, what I'll do is I'll, I'm going to just do a quick run through of what they are. And they all I'll obviously start with the letter F. And the first one is focus um, because I truly believe what you think about is what you do and what you become. So everything starts with your thoughts, what you focus on. Uh, the next one is fitness. I truly believe the importance of exercise, working out, not just your physical body, but uh, working out your, your mind by learning new skills. Um, so that's why fitness is so important. Um, another one is finances. So anyone who has a dream, usually a dream is going to cost you something. So having the proper finances financial education to make those dreams a reality is important, you know, and where your, and where your money goes, you know, your love flows. So making sure that you are placing money in its rightful priority. This next one is one that I always comment on that children never have a hard time with this, but adults do. And that is fun. I think that life is meant to be enjoyed sometimes. And it's not always about being so serious. I think that people do best work when they are enjoying themselves. And that's why I think that having fun is an absolute necessity to life. Uh, after that is the importance of family, um, whether for good or for bad. Take the things that you've learned from your family that were beneficial and carry those forward into your new family life. And the things that your family did that maybe been detrimental, leave it in, in the past. So make the conscious decision to take the positive things from your childhood and bring them into your adulthood and then pass them on to your children and grandchildren if you have them. And then the negative things, just choose to leave it behind, not carry it on anymore. And that's the importance of family right there having those family relationships. The next thing is friendship. Um, a lot of time people become the people they hang out with. So whether if that's good or for bad, if you're hanging out with five people who are doing positive things, those five things are going to, five people are going to rub off on you and you're going to become the sixth. So be very selective on the people you invest your time in because you will become like them. Um, number seven would be forgiveness. I truly believe there really is no healing without it. People need to learn to not only forgive others. Um, a lot of times it's asking for forgiveness for things that we have done wrong, uh, receiving the forgiveness of God. Um, forgiveness usually is what is a, the biggest hurdle for people being successful in life. And then finally, the eighth F is faith, which is what I base my life upon. And so without faith, without the Lord, without having that relationship with God, that I wouldn't be able to do anything. And those are the eight F's to freedom. The eight F's to freedom. Wow. That's a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. I, I, I like that. Focus, fitness, finance, fun, family, friendship, forgiveness, and faith. Let's talk about that last one, faith. When was the first time your faith was truly tested? It's a good question. You know, there's been so many moments where my faith has been tested. And I'd say one of the times my faith was tested, I was in Iraq. And at the time, I was trying to turn my life around. I was in complete dysfunction. So I, I didn't have a faith at the time, but I was seeking to. And I wanted to have a relationship with God. I just didn't know how to do it. And I remember just being so confused and lost, praying that, you know, I said, God, you know, I, I know I haven't been really following you. And I know I don't live a life that you probably approve of, but I do want to turn my life around. I remember at the time I was telling my wife that, you know what, I'm sorry for all the things that I've done, but I would like to be a family again. And let's start over when I come home from Iraq. And she said, okay. I said, make sure you, you're there with our child. She said, okay. Okay. And I'm getting on the plane. I'm heading home and I'm on the bus I'm excited. All my friends are excited because, you know, their wives are going to be there, the kids, their mom, their dad, their brothers, their sisters, their friends. Right. It's a big deal. I mean, we're gone for a year. Come back, see your family. It's like the greatest thing ever. And I got off that bus and I walked out to the field. I looked to the left. 
I looked to the right, there was nobody there. Not one single person was there for me that day. And I remember being devastated and crushed. And I remember thinking to myself, God, you want me to come serve you and love you and follow the life that you say I should follow, but you haven't sent one person here for me. That's how I felt. And at that moment, I didn't want nothing to do with faith. I didn't want nothing to do with God. And I actually ran away further than ever before during that time because I remember just being numb to the point where I just couldn't feel nothing no more. And even though I didn't have the people I had wanted, looking back now, I think it was a testament of God showing me, yes, the people that you wanted to be there were not there, but I never left you. At the time, I didn't know it. But looking back, it was like God was like, I was there. I was on the field with you. I was with you in Iraq. I was with you when you came home. I was with you going through a divorce. I was with you as a single parent. I was with you through all of it. And looking back at that moment, that was such a big test for me. And I, you know what? And I failed it. Miserably, I failed it because I wanted nothing to do with God. He just kept working on me. He wouldn't give up on me. That was a test of your faith. And now I believe you know that he says... I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he is that friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesse, how can my listening audience get in contact with you if they want to learn how to tell their story? How can they reach out to you? Absolutely. They can. I'm on Facebook, Jesse Cruz. I'm also on Instagram, Jesse Cruz Speaks. I am on TikTok, Jesse Cruz Speaks 42. I'm on the social media clubhouse, the clubhouse app, Jesse Cruz Speaks on there. Uh, people can email me author jesse cruz at gmail.com and repeat that email address again for us please author jesse cruz at gmail.com author jesse cruz at gmail.com all right do you have a a, a dedicated website as of yet yep so um, it's currently under construction but people can still go check it out it's jesse cruz speaks.com jesse cruz speaks.com jesse what matters most to you and I'm doing what God wants me to do. It's just what it's got to be, you know, and, and part of that, I think a lot of it, I got lost up and caught in the whirlwind of trying to go make a big difference in the world, right? Because I want to help people. Um, but what I realized that I need to help the people in my own home first, because that's my first ministry. So, you know, my family is what matters most, because that's what God has called me to above anything else. I love it. Powerful story, powerful message. You've been through a lot, but what I can say is through it all, God has been with you and your story can help a lot of people overcome challenges. Check out his book, Losing Faith and Finding Hope. Check out his other book, Live Your Dash, Discovering ADFs to Freedom, all available on Amazon, on Amazon.com. Any last words, Jesse? One thing I'd like to just share is that don't let your pain go to waste. I promise you it's going to help somebody. The same way somebody extended their hand to you in a moment when you felt like nobody cared, you can become that same person for somebody else. Just remember your story is your power. Your story is your power. My man, my army buddy, <laughs> I was in, uh, you know, I went over to uh, Korea. And I was in the first Gulf War. Um, I didn't go to Afghanistan. I was I was out. But once again, I thank you for your service. I thank you for sharing your story. And I pray for your good success in all of your endeavors. And I want to thank you for being a great guest 
here on Mr. Speaker Speaks, coming and sharing your story to help inform, to challenge, and most of all today, you truly, truly inspired me and my listening audience. And for that, I want to say thank you and God bless you, my brother. Thank you, Vincent. You're welcome. Well, we're getting ready to close this out. I just want to let everybody know, hey, today's show was brought to you in part by Personality Pitching. If you need a pitch developed for your business, please go to personalitypitching.com or 833-233-1800. Just call that number, 833-233-1800. And remember, mention Mr. Speaker and you get a 10% discount. Mention Mr. Speaker. But let's get ready to close this thing out and bring it home. I tell you, learned a lot today. Your pain point. Purpose comes from pain. That's what I'm always going to remember from my man, Jesse Cruz. Purpose comes from pain. You've been listening to Mr. Speaker Speaks, the show that informs, challenges, and inspires. Remember, in all that you do, be magnificent. And until next time, be good, be blessed, but most of all, be a blessing to someone. <laughs>